Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Rusty Pickups are a four-piece band from Toowoomba in Queensland who have a new EP that showcases their often rollicking Americana sound. The members are Bernard, Michael, Lee and Aidan and we have Michael Cook with us, also known as Cookie. Hello, Cookie. Hey, Sophie. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. I've been enjoying listening to the EP because it's a, it's a good combination of upbeat, thoughtful, really great musical quality in it. Um, but I'm going to take you back to the start. How did you all meet and form as a band? Because I saw something online that said you were the remnants of a 10-piece honky-tonk band. Well, yeah, look, it was um, one of my more terrible ideas. Uh, I've, had, I've had quite a few, but the, the idea, we were just um, having drinks one day and, and decided that we wanted to do like a Travelling Wilbury show. Right. And we were gonna we were gonna write the songs, put the show together, have you know ten piece everybody involved, and do one show. But then I think I struggled to remember. I think the idea was we we're all gonna wear like Slayer t shirts. We were trying to annoy as many people as possible, basically. Right. Um, and it was as successful as it was clever in that it just never happened. But um, Bernard uh, ended up sort of coming around one day. He, to, he said he played played keys and wanted to come around anyhow. And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And, when my mother's a great piano player and uh, when you hear someone say that they're a good piano player, there's, there's sort of two types. There's people who did grade one and grade two when they were in grade three, grade four and go, Oh, you know, I play piano. And there's people that can play um, much like when kids come out to the farm, they, they, you know, they say that they can ride horses and they say they can drive cars and they're the people that fall off horses and crash cars yeah. and generally get you in trouble. <laughs> Um, my kids aren't old enough yet to, to have exposed that to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath for that to happen. But yeah, Bernie came around um, and we, we just sort of to have a jam. And one of the tracks on the EP, um, Rattle, Rattle in My Heart, which is a, what we call the EP, that's um, a song that I wrote that day when my daughter was having a, um, a tantrum and I was following her around with the guitar, writing the song as a sort of a, a homage to the, to the calibre of tantrum that they were having at the time. And, um, and Bernie showed up that day and we thought, yeah, all right, we'll have a bit of a jam. And we, we wrote that song. So that was, yeah, many, many years ago now. And, and so Bernie and I sort of started playing together a little more. And then Lee and I bumped into each other at, um, at the Spotted Cow in Toowoomba, um, just where, when I was getting ready to, to organise a show, not play one. And we'd met um, many years before. I knew we played banjo, but I hadn't clocked eyes on him in seven or eight years. And I told him that we were playing. So he sort of popped along. And then Aiden just, um, I'd met him a few times and he sent me a message out of the blue on uh, on Facebook and said, look, do you want a double bass player? Which is not a question that you get asked very often and it's not one that you ever say no to either. So I was like, I, I'm assuming you can play because you have a double bass. So yeah, yeah, come on, come on down and set a jam. And it all sort of really, really gelled perfectly together. So it's been... Um, yeah, the, the, the best worst decision I ever made was trying to put right. together that stupid honky-tonk uh, band many years ago. It's ended up being a band where I had to sort of stop pretending that this was uh, something fun to do and start thinking about maybe it was something worth really pursuing. Yeah, right. Well, it certainly is worth pursuing uh, given what's on the EP. But I'm wondering if you all listened to the same sort of music before you came together in a band or did you have quite different musical tastes? Well, Sort of prior to Aiden joining the band um, on, a, on a full-time basis, we played as a three-piece. And I always joked that um, 
Bernard was like the child of divorce because you had sort of Lee on one side dragging us to, to folk and me on the other dragging us to country and right. poor Bernard in the, in the middle just trying to keep the kids together at Christmas sort of thing. Um, but Bernard himself is a great jazz musician. He plays in you know, a host of jazz bands, um, big ensembles, and he's yeah, a, a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, keys player and classical player, wh- whatever you got, he can do it. Um, so he sort of has that classical background, but he also plays uh, in another band called The Fandangled, where he plays guitar half the time, which is one of my favourite things. Um, and sort of Lee, Lee's uh, obviously a claw hammer banjo master he, he really knows his craft and and he's a great songwriter too he, he's really to work with and, and Aiden's been in a, in a heap of different sort of bands sort of different to where we were my background was always pretending I didn't like country music and trying to play in loud rock bands but then I got old and went oh, bugger it I'll just uh, stop pretending and go back to playing what I like playing so when so you say sort of, pre- pre- te- sorry go on <laughs> no it's just sort of it was it was it was good to have that sort of mash uh, of um I know everyone probably says it, but it is. It's nice to have you, you take a song that you've written and, and you think, yep, cool, this is the song, and then Bernard will throw a, a, a jazzy sort of edge onto it and, and Aiden will do something else on the double bass and then Lee just drives home with the, with the banjo and you go, okay, well, that's not the song that I wrote, but it's a song that I like. Right. And that's when it goes from being my song or Lee's song or Bernie's song or Aiden's song and becomes our song. So, yeah, it works really well. So when you said you were pretending to not like country music, does that mean you were in fact listening to it, but um, didn't yeah. want to tell anyone? Yeah, absolutely. No, I I, I know. Um, I think from from nineteen ninety four ish through till about two thousand and two, I could sing every lyric to every Garth Brooks song there is. That that was that was what we lived and breathed at home. You didn't right. tell anyone, but <laughs> if you had you know just a few too many drinks and someone threw it on, I've actually got. I, uh, I emceed a wedding once um, and had a, a, a definitely too many drinks and the Garth Brooks came out at one point and uh, I was slightly over exuberant in my celebrations of this country music sneaking through and I now have a coffee cup gift which says all Brooks on it and uh, a wonderful picture of my face photoshopped over Garth Brooks' head. So it seemed at that point that the, uh, the cat was out of the bag and the secret wasn't a secret anymore. So I thought, oh, bugger it, I can stop pretending now and just go, go back to loving it out loud. And was it because, yeah, country music wasn't cool? Is that why you disavowed it? Because it isn't cool. I mean, it's we know that. It's not a cool genre. For me, it was growing up in the country. Like, I grew up in Dolby, which we had about 9,000 people out there. It still sort of still does. And that, that's sort of all there was. And so we wanted to be different. We, you know, we, we got into indie music and right. indie custards and regurgitators. And that's, we lived and breathed it. We knew every song. Um, I've got. A, I went home to, the other day to give my brother a hand, and I've still got a tape from the 1990. Now I'm going to remember now. I think it's 1998 Hottest 100 that I used to tape the entire presentation to in, in the yeah. tractor at home, and I could still name that. You know, uh, no, I'll, mutilated lips was number 69 in the Hottest 100 that year, I believe. Like we, <laughs> this is just what we did. We did it yeah. to be, um, you know, because we didn't have a whole lot to do. So we started music festivals and we got into indie music and into a bit of rock. Some guys got into metal and, and whatnot. And, and that's just what I always thought you had to do. And I was, and I was saying that to, um, to my wife the other day after we, we did a great show out at um, uh, Chinchilla with James Blundell and Woodshed for the Melon Fest. Mm-hmm. And there was, you know, we got to play to maybe three, three and a half thousand people. It was just incredible. And, after you know that experience and the experience we had at Tamworth, I, I was saying to my wife 
but it's actually my 40th birthday today. So I um I said I felt happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. I said I always felt like um I was an old man playing a young man's game, but the way that country and Americana music sits now, it's sort of like, well, you know what? The people that are loving it, the people that are buying it, the people that are going to the shows, I'm actually still a young man in that crowd. I just need to stop trying to do what we did when we were 16 to 25 and just do what we're enjoying now doing it, you know, 30 to 40 where the band is. And it's, um, you've grown into your genre. Yeah. Yeah. There's just such a great crowd of, of people that I guess have the time and, and, and still have the energy to, to get out and go to shows. And it's just such a pleasure to play for them. Whenever I hear of Dolby, I can't help thinking of the line that Becky Cole put, I think, on a live CD where she said she was in Dolby and a woman came up to her, she was playing a show, and a woman came up and said, Dolby, mate, Dolby, where men are men and so are the women. <laughs> yeah. And then Becky wrote right. a song, a drinking I, I song for women. I <laughs> did not realise that we were famous for that. But, um, but yeah, well, look, my five sisters might have something to say about that, but I'll, I'll have a chat to them and get back to you. Well, Becky wrote a drinking song, and I'm now the name is now escaping me, but it was inspired by that particular encounter. So Dolby has been immortalized in song. Very well, as long as we're immortalized for something, that's the main thing. <laughs> so, as I mentioned at the top, you're now in Toowoomba. What is the music scene like in Toowoomba for people who have never been there? Um, look, oh, sorry, I got a bit frozen there for a sec. Toowoomba was in the early 2000s when I first came to town. You know, it was incredible. We, we sort of just had. The 90s where bands like Custard used to come to town and that sort of stuff. And, and there was a real resurgence. I used to own a music venue back in town um, in the mid-2000s and there was countless places you could play. Right now, things are really tough, I'll admit. Um, we had the Met and it really closed. Um, the Spotted Cow sold and went elsewhere. There's, there's really sort of probably not a whole lot of venues. And, well, I'm, I'm sort of probably understanding that. As far as we're concerned, there's, there is not a place in Toowoomba right now that right. has a stage, has a PA, and that will allow you to put on shows as, a, as an original live musician. That's, right. that's the fact of it. But the good news that comes out of that is it, it's giving me vibes of what Brisbane was like in the early 2000s when it maybe it had got a bit big. And so if you weren't big already, where did you fit? So people just started saying, oh, well, we'll just live in a warehouse somewhere and I'll put a stage up that end people are starting to, to build their own things. And there's a little bit of a, a resurgence, I think, coming through that's got real opportunities. Like we're doing our album launch um, on the 26th of November and we're doing it upstairs at Muller Brothers on their rooftop bar. Now, that's not a music venue at all, but it's going to look real pretty and it suits me because we're doing the gig at sunset and it means I can right. go to bed before, you know, 10 p.m. Um, and if people, I guess, start working as musicians, from the side of the venue owners as well. I think it helps mm. them gain a better understanding of, of what actually is involved in putting a show on and gives them a, a pretty bit more empathy with venue owners as to maybe why they're hesitant to be putting on lots of shows because there's not much money in it in putting on a live music in a place like Toowoomba. Right. It's got to be done for the passion and for the love. And if the bands aren't willing to have the passion and the love to, to do it themselves, then we probably shouldn't be expecting venues to do it either. So I, I'm hopeful that um, that we might see a few more co-ops come out of, thing, out of this sort of tricky time um, and that once the springtime rolls around we'll be a bit more creative in the way that we can put on music. Yeah well if anyone's watching and they happen to be from the area it sounds like there are opportunities there. Of course yeah if, if you build it they will come you know it might cost you a little bit of money but there's there's ways you can make no money and still put on a great show and there's ways that you can make a little bit of money too it's just it's hard to um, to find that line between not being taken advantage of as a musician because no one wants that 
um, but also sort of being understanding and sharing that risk and responsibility with uh, with the person who owns the space, who pays the rent, pays all you know the, the the staffing and everything, and understanding where they're coming from, so they can better understand where we're coming from and find that middle ground. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you're working in a genre where there are opportunities to go to festivals because there are increasing numbers of country music festivals. Yes. And you just mentioned uh-huh. playing in Chinchilla. So, are you able to get around to festivals? Yeah, look, honestly, we, I, I sort of sat down, like with us, we, we are sort of getting on a little. I have kids, um, you know, we all have full time jobs and that sort of thing. So, we pretty much by the end of uh, being at Tamworth, we got to go to Tamworth, which was a wonderful experience. We did seven shows in six days and then picked up a show in, um, in Stanthorpe on the way home. I apologise. That's my donkey yelling at me in the background, if you can hear it, not to make me sound like a complete hick, but it's, uh, it's decided that it's dinner time. <laughs> we don't really need to worry about that. Um, but, yeah, we, we pretty much locked in our whole year by, by the end of Tamworth, what shows we're planning on doing, because we do have limitations on our time. So we pick a weekend that we can do for the month. That's when we do our shows. And we know that, you know, in, in June, the last weekend of June, that's when we've got our shows. So we're doing Northern New South Wales in June. Um, there's, I think we're looking at maybe doing between 25 and 30 shows this year and only two of them are in tour. So, right. so there's a lot of work out there if you're, if you're able to, to travel and you're able to go. And, um, yeah, we, we're about to start now that the EP is out um, furiously applying for many festivals because, as you say, there are some just fantastic festivals available and we'd love to get out there and sort of try to mix it with the big boys. Well, and I think you're in a particular niche as well, just from the sound of what I've heard, um, that there isn't anyone exactly like you, so that bodes well for festivals. And unfortunately, we're running out of time, so I'm going to encourage people to go and listen to the EP <laughs> to catch you at festivals. Um, and, and if you have more music coming out, hopefully we'll talk again. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Thank you so much, Sophie. It's been lovely Thanks. chatting. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.